Hello, this is Joe Peters of Coldwell Banker. In today's podcast edition of In the Know of Joe, I am going to be interviewing Bonnie Duncan, who is the CEO of United Way for Hunterdon County. As you know, 2020 was an especially challenging year for most of us, and 2021 continues on with those same issues. Bonnie will be reviewing with us where United Way has met the challenges that have presented themselves during the past year and what the opportunities are for you to get involved. Let's listen in. So hello, this is Joe Peters with Coldwell Banker, and my in and know of Joe today is interviewing Bonnie Duncan, who is the head of United Way in Hunterdon County. Say hello, Bonnie. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. Hey, Bonnie, I thought we'd start by giving everybody a little bit about your background so that they know where you came from and how long you've been doing what you're doing. Uh, so I'm a little untraditional in my background. Uh, I self-describe as a reverse Latina. I was born here in the U.S. and left when I was two years old and consequently raised in Central and South America, not returning um, to the U.S. until after I graduated college and I came to Hunterdon County uh, in the very late 70s. Um, so I've uh, been it, I've had the pleasure of living and working in Hunterdon um, ever since I moved here. Um, and after a few jobs in the corporate sector or what used to be the manufacturing sector here in, in Hunterdon okay. County, um, I, I ended up moving to the nonprofit world in United Way, um, starting out in their fundraising. Um, and later uh, in 2002, becoming um, the, the executive director and later CEO. Um, so I've been with United Way 24 years now. Congratulations. And um, it's a wonderful uh, passion for me uh, as an opportunity to give back to my community in a real concrete way and uh, do good work. Wonderful. So each county has its own United Way? Not necessarily. Every county is represented, but they don't necessarily have their own United Way. Our neighbors to the north of us, for example, United Way of uh, Northern New Jersey comprises five communities. Okay. Um, they do Warren and Sussex and Morris and Somerset and uh, 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 Mil uh, North Essex, what they call North Essex, the Milburn area. So, and your organization does Hunterdon County primarily? We're, we're, we map our geography of the county, yes. Okay. So we cover the whole um, Hunterdon County. And then in Somerset County, there's a different Bonnie Duncan, and she takes... He or She's she... with Northern New Jersey. Oh, she is. Okay. So that mm -hmm. clarifies that for me. Wonderful. So the, the whole focus of my talk this morning is we in Hunterdon County live in one of the most well-off counties in the country. Yet it's, it's almost a tale, I hate to say a tale of two cities because that has horrible connotations, but our, our makeup of the county is different. The people who are the upwardly progressible have found ways to work from home in Hunterdon County and because of their education, because of their technical skills are maybe not even missing a beat in today's economy. They're, they're finding a way to earn a living. Yet that doesn't represent all of the county that we have a, a large population of the county <clears throat> that is not in that description. And that's what I thought we would talk about. Um, I know the term Alice, I don't know if it's a term everybody knows. Could you describe what Alice means? 
So we, uh, this uh, uh, acronym was coined uh, by United Way of uh, what used to be Morris County years ago and is now part of the Alice, um, the United for Alice Network. Those are individuals or families who are asset limited, income constrained, and often employed. Most of them are employed, some are retired. So I wanna make that distinction that they do have um, some kind of income coming in. And I know when, and I went through this with both 100 and leadership and Somerset leadership, there's a little bingo card demonstration that's done where you have so many chips and so many things to spend them on. And it's really eye-opening as you go through it. It really was the second time. The first time, I, you know, it was a grasp of when I did it the second time, I said, I've been through this before. And it reinforces it. It just shows that the people under this description have limited assets, which is the, what the LA stands for. They are working most part, which is what the uh, employee stands for, but they don't have enough to go around. It's, they're having a tough time spending the money that they are making or do have coming in or on hand to cover the bills at hand each month. Is that a good description? It is, and but to sort of, maybe like reframe the how we got there so so to speak okay. um we do talk about and and we should be um proud of the fact that you know we have a high median income we have high education levels in our community all of that bodes well for us um but what it really also um describes is a huge disparity in the income levels in our community so what might surprise some folks is pre-COVID, um, about 23% of our population was not earning a living wage. So um, the, the distinction between being in poverty and earning a living wage is that, um, you know, minimum wage um, or not having enough hours and the like, the poverty levels are very low and you just cannot survive on poverty levels. And so more and more folks are looking at what does it really cost to get by with no frills. Um, and in Hunterdon County, 23% pre-COVID, and now it's up to 37%. Wow. Um, and, that's, and the data is still coming in because we've only been collecting that for a short period of time. So the number of folks who are impacted is rising. And within that Alice folks, I think that when we start thinking of where are some of our disparities, um, the folks who are most impacted or most vulnerable um, are some of those essential and non-essential workers um, that we have um, been talking about throughout COVID. Um, Blacks are at higher risk um, of becoming an Alice household, um, depending on what's going on. Families with children, um, you know, there are additional um, consequences as a result of childcare, school, and university closures, and what that impact has had on our community. And the biggest area where we've seen the growth of Alice families are our seniors here in Hunterdon County. So wow. while some of them may not be working, some may be retired. Um, they are the ones that are being hit. Um, their, their numbers are escalating um, in terms of need. 
Right. And I know we're seniors, uh, Marilyn and I, and we're just aghast at what we're spending on groceries, for example. Um, a trip to the store used to have, uh, just to make up a number, $100 that went into the basket. And some weeks it was 110 some weeks it was 85 But now it seems to be almost twice that in our case. And it may be because we have a little more time and need a little more things at home because we're living out of the house, not working. Um, I, I would think that's food is one important part of it, but there's lots of others as well. What, what are the, the impacts on the seniors that are causing this? So first of all, and you sort of um, um, address that is uh, they, they don't typically have extra income, you know, right. they're on a fixed budget. So um, if there are other, if the cost of goods are going up as a result of scarcities or whatever, um, that's going to have an impact. If you think about uh, while in the past they may have gone to the grocery store, if they have to build in transportation costs, that may um, have um, an impact. And the biggest one is the cost of health care. So if they're in that vulnerable um, space. And if there are healthcare issues, the cost of healthcare um, is, is again, a huge um, nut to crack um, in, in this community. And especially again, if you're on that fixed income, so it's not, you know, you're taking from Peter to pay Paul. It's not that you're able to necessarily increase um, your income. I know in my business, which is real estate, I see a certain percentage of our seniors moving into Pennsylvania just to lower the cost of living. Um, has that, in your mind, gotten bigger? Is it a, is it a solution, really? So I think um, the whole issue of housing is a whole other right. area where it's a systemic issue for our county, for our state and nationally of how to address housing. It is just unaffordable. I think that folks who leave the county are going to find some option that is less expensive. Mm -hmm. For some, it may be South Jersey or even out, out of state. Right. And for others, it's just jumping the border. I mean, certainly we're seeing that the cost of living in Pennsylvania is, is rising. So what mm -hmm. used to be a great deal is not such a great deal anymore. So um, it, it could be where some go. Um, I think the biggest challenge we've had is the housing model that we had in the 80s of the Big Mac mansions right. are now not working as those families have seniored out and now they've got this big house they're empty nesters and nobody wants that big house <laughs> right right although the the advent of the new york license plate moving westward has helped that a little um it is but i think that and certainly a lot of the economic um, um development models will show that our younger populations are our new generation um, they really are, many of them are seeking rentals. So right. that is something that Hunterdon has been slow to accept because um, in, 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 some, in some communities, they, they attach a very negative stigma to a rental unit. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we need to be, become a little more progressive and, and understand that it's your children um, and, and the like who are, are, are looking for 
uh, being somewhere closer to home, being in a walkable community, you know, if, if they can have what they had in the city um, and, and, and be able to stay home, I think a lot would um, like that as, as an option. Not everybody, but some. Right. So that, that talks about the seniors. What about the non-seniors that are falling into this category of not making the two ends meet? So I think the um, issues around families with children. So the childcare industry was also put under um, similar uh, restrictions as other businesses. So a childcare business who now is only operating at 25% capacity means that as a business owner, they're struggling to keep the business open and there are 75% of the children that are without, that may be without a childcare option. Right. So some are at home. Um, I don't know how many Zoom calls you've participated in where um, yeah. somebody's trying to get work done and there's kids running around or coming up with a, a laptop because they need help. And um, so the schools, especially the ones that are doing um, hybrids or virtual learning is having a huge impact on families. Um, mm -hmm. The disparity comes in when you have low income and potentially can't afford or don't have internet connectivity. Right. If you don't have devices for yourself and for your children um, for remote learning, um, all of those things now start to increase the educational divide between the Alice population and below, and um, the uh, folks who are earning a living wage or above. Um, so we're, we're increasing the disparities in our community and education is one of those areas where systemically the model that we have now needs to be shored up to create equal opportunity for every child to succeed in education to be ready for the workforce, to be ready for life. I know when I went through Leadership 100, which was 2016, one of our infrastructure's issues was internet. Um, transportation is definitely another one. Um, I'm not sure it's increased or decreased. Let's say it's still about the same, but it, it resulted in some people do not have good internet capability. And in today's environment, um, you might have mom and dad and several children each needing their own connection within the house in order to do what's expected of them for the education. This is what you're saying is not only not available sometimes, there's limited availability. So it's, it, it's, it's a real And struggle. if it's available, is it affordable? You know, what, what some folks used to think of, oh, well, you know, having internet was for playing games and, um, you know, it was a luxury item, that luxury item has become a necessity. Mm -hmm. And you need a certain level of, to your point, bandwidth within your family in order to get the basic functions of job and school done if you're working remotely from your home. I know when we talked a couple of years back while attending a function that Marilyn retired from Rutgers Medical School. And she would come to our bedroom community development and go back to school and vice versa and never looked to the side. 
And she thought everybody lived like we did. And she thought everybody was like the people she knew, which typically had a master's or PhD of some sort. And then when she took early retirement, just looking for something to do, she got employed with one of our large box stores in the county. And she's coming home and telling me, Joe, there's so many people that are working two and three jobs and have absolutely no benefits. She said, I don't know where they came from. I said, Marilyn, they were always here. You just never look to the side. Um, they don't live where you live and they didn't work where you work and every place in between, they may have been servicing your car when you stopped or ringing your groceries, but that's as close as you came to them. These people have always been here. These, these are the Alice people Mm -hmm. such and a lot of times they're working 16 70 hours and still not making ends meet um, mm -hmm. and and she was saying that she was also surprised at how many of them came from pennsylvania to new jersey to work because new jersey just basically pays more money than pennsylvania and has more work and even in hunter county we tend to go east to work because there's more work and more money it's a higher paying area um I think most people don't realize the Alice surrounds us. I mean, 37% and we're still counting um, is a lot of people that can't make the ends meet. So then the question becomes not only knowledge, but how do we help them? Right. And, and again, I think that we'll also find that the percentages of Alice could change depending on the demographics. So Hunterdon is a huge county as far as New Jersey goes. Right. So you may not see, for example, the, the, the same percentage of Alice folks up in the uh, Lebanon Township area right. than you would um, in Flemington Borough. So where we have walkable communities, because that solves often a transportation issue, right. those would be the, the, the communities where we would see higher Alice numbers. Um, for example, Flemington Borough, I think, is around 48%. Frenchtown, I think, is, is pretty high. I, I wanted to say 43, but I don't want to be quoted on that. Uh, Lambertville, Bloomsbury, Milford, some of those river towns and, and Main Street sort of communities um, tend to have higher um, because it's easier to get around, easier to find a job, um, less transportation issues. So it's not consistent. So it is easy to move around Hunterdon and not see what's going on around you. Right. And, and quite honestly, one of the fellows running for governor three and a half years ago said north of 78 in Hunterdon County doesn't really understand is the south of 78 and vice versa they they are two different communities uh, yes and no look at hampton look at highbridge you know we we do have some yeah. communities that struggle even north of 78 but the more um rural you get into our our, yeah. our county where um our job lot or our uh, housing lots are are greater and we don't see our neighbors so much um, it's, it's much easier to um, not see what's kind of just barely under um, the surface. But um, didn't want to forget, though, your comment about how folks can help. And I think, um, to your point, for those individuals who have maybe not been as impacted as others in our community, 
those who still have a good um, income coming in, who may have been able to um, weather much of um, the, co the pandemic by being able to work remotely. I, I would say the biggest gift of the, those folks could do would be to really, in the short term, really shore up and support the nonprofit community. You, you know, this goes beyond, um, um, you know, Joe, this goes beyond uh, United Way. We need to work with all of our partners. You know, the, the issues of food insecurity have spiked incredibly so. So being able to support any organization that's helping in that arena, be it Meals on Wheels, be it your local food pantry, um, you know, there are so many uh, be it grower row so that they can continue to provide good, healthy food for our community and beyond. Those are um, short term. That's what we need. You know, we are all nonprofits are, and you've heard me say this before, we are not for lost businesses. Right. You know, we're working on a shoestring, but we need, to, we are being asked to support more and more people with less resources. You know, many organizations lost their funding support because of what was going on in, in, in the economic um, uh, the change in the, in the economics um, um, environment. You know, the pandemic um, has really um, hurt a lot of businesses across the board. And, and if that's where the bread and butter came from for a lot of the funding for the organizations, they're really hurting. So short-term, allowing the network, the safety net of, of agencies that we have. We, we provide great services in Hunterdon County for um, folks. What, what we need is to make sure that those agencies are, are there for us now and in the future. And then I'll piggyback on your leadership, Hunterdon. I think that the next area of help and support comes from folks who will give of their time and, and their very specialized skills and, and step up and lead collaborative solutions to some of these very systemic issues that are at the root of Alice's struggle. Like we really need to have, the healthcare situation is a huge issue. It's not something that one organization wants. We need to come together to find solutions around healthcare, childcare, transportation, um, technology right now. I mean, how many people were using Zoom last year? Right. <laughs> you know, technology has changed and, and, and the um, education around it, um, housing, all of these things are huge systemic challenges that continue. And then, um, you know, then when you add the, the ethnic and racial disparities on top of that, it's disproportionately affecting certain members in our community. And I think that as a community, we need to address that. We need to own it. We need to admit that it's here and then see what is it that we can do to create more equity in the work that we're doing. So one of the things, and I'm thinking while you're talking that I'm hearing is that there's pent up spending demand. In other words, people have not been able to spend what they typically spent last year. 
and maybe it's to learn almost that at the higher echelon of our society. So one of the things has been forecasted that there'll be an onslaught of spending when people feel a little bit more comfortable. But the other thing, and I keep hearing over tip the people when you do go to a restaurant, take care of the people that are taking care of you. But it sounds like getting involved in taking care of United Way and other charities could be a great export for this old built up demand. Uh, that's you know, it's a built up resource of money. You know, I'll, I'll put in a little plug. Um, this month, we are launching our next session of board development, which is a four module series, um, looking at how individuals can, again, give their gift of time to the nonprofits in a different way. Um, again, every, every nonprofit is required to have a board and it's through the board's strategic planning efforts that they are able to best meet the needs of their community. So if you've never served on a board and wanted to know what's it like, what are the things I need to know? It's a great way of finding out. And if you have been searching on a, have been sitting on a board and need more information um, or have questions, it gives you a rounded um, perspective of uh, the skills to be a good board member. So I would encourage folks to look it up on our website um, if they have, um, time to give. Now that they're not doing as much commuting, right. maybe there's a little extra time that they can use to give back um, to the community. And uh, again, the spending patterns, you know, some folks didn't have the opportunity to do the vacations and the things that they've done in the past. So maybe they do have a few extra dollars that they could uh, reinvest in the community, in the nonprofit uh, world. So I would certainly um, encourage that as well. So the four development series is a series of four tutorials that help mm -hmm. you get involved. And how much time would it take somebody to go through that to understand it? Each module is three hours. Okay. Um, we do them every two weeks. We will be doing it virtually. Um, the uh, schedule for it is on our website. Okay. And I will put that a link to that on this post as well so people can quickly find it. I think I'm going to investigate it myself. It sounds like an area that I definitely have some interest in or wouldn't be doing this conversation, but at the same time, um, I'm not involved enough in it. When, when you come out of that for development, is it just United Way focused or is it not-for-profit focused? I have had, I've had executive directors who've taken the course just to have a better understanding of what's their role versus what their board's role is, because sometimes there's confusion there. Right. I, I have had board members from agencies, either um, representatives from certain agencies or a whole mini board if it's a, a, a startup sort of um, nonprofit join. I have had we, we, we do it as part of our onboarding. So all of our board members uh, do take it. Um, but, uh, and then we've got people who just heard about it in the newspapers, happened to bounce into it online. And they, you know, maybe they're serving on their, um, you know, their condo association board or something, and they just want to know more. And for some folks, they've never served, and they may have some trepidation. And so they just want to learn. So so some folks come with a lot of um, board knowledge and mm -hmm. some come and 
some come with none at all and everything in between. Um, but we do encourage um, a community focus and you know anybody can join because it makes the discussions far richer. Um, after the 12 hours, if somebody is not already engaged in a board, uh, we're happy to help place them. Um, there's always um, agencies that are looking for uh, board members. Um, Great. I know I've, wor I've worked with uh, a nonprofit in the Flemington area in the past, and I'm on several other association and real estate boards, but uh, they're, they're more business-related or association-related. It's a great, as time permits, way to get involved in what's going on because you can so easily sit and complain, oh, why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? Well, if you got involved, you, you could either make it happen or understand why it's not happening. And mm -hmm. Talk about United Way. If someone was to get involved in contributing time and or funds to United Way, does that filter to some of these other organizations or is everybody diving for the same dollar out there? Certainly there is a lot of competition for funding uh, where we can. We do look for ways to collaborate um, and seek common approaches so that we're not duplicating um, efforts in, in the community. Uh, so some, so um, some of the funds that we raise um, could go into some grants with some of the partners that we have. Um, more and more, it's become more of a um, contractual agreement. Like this is the program that they're running, we're running. And for, you know, um, there may be some financial um, support uh, one way or the other um, as we do the uh, programmatic uh, work. And United Way continues, um, you know, since the beginning of the pandemic, we have had community partnership um, meetings where we have that opportunity to share what's going on in our agencies, what are the things that are coming up, issues or concerns, and sometimes looking for ways that we can support each other. Um, sometimes it's technical assistance. Um, sometimes it's uh, just being aware of which programs are no longer running right. or which new programs have come up. So that's a, it's a wonderful way for people with money and or interest in getting involved um, can, can happen. Um, can I leave you with one more thought though when I'm thinking yeah. of, of agencies um, yeah. is that, you know, when I talked about the increase in the number of uh, individuals or family or Alice households, some of them have never been an Alice household before, mm. have never been in need before, and mm -hmm. quite frankly, don't know where to go for assistance. They probably are making too much money to uh, be eligible for uh, social service type of entitlements uh, and programs. Um, and so I always, always like to leave people with thinking, if you don't know where to start, uh, call 211. Uh, as a place uh, to look for uh, information and referral or our local call center, um, Hunter and Helpline. Okay. So, you know, I think that if you don't know where to start, you know, sometimes, um, you know, 211 allows you to do it virtually. It allows you to do it, you know, by chat on the web, um, or you can call uh, depending on what's easiest for you. So it's, it's, it's really a, a gauntlet or a challenge to throw down to people who are really happy where they're living, but really not as involved as they'd like to be. 
to get a little bit more involved so that we can help the entire community out by contributing. I know your example you gave me the first time we talked was we have a lot of people who have tax backgrounds are helping seniors do their taxes. I mean, that's a great transfer of expertise that helps somebody else in your community and people who don't might have technical background can help people with technical issues um, right on down the line. I will put all of those links up so that people can in effect, um, get to them easily. Uh, I'm coming back, I guess, to we have this 37% are really helping, having a hard time making the ends meet. Some are new to it. They've never experienced before. Others have been, the, the gap is just wider than it used to be for a lot of reasons. They used to work 60 hours, not only working 40. Um, What else are we missing? I mean, United Way seems to be the right organization in the right place to help the two ends meet. But so, at the heart of the issue um, for most of these families is uh, some level of financial insecurity or instability. Right. Um, in many cases, to your point, these folks may be working sixty hours a week and just getting by. So. One of the biggest challenges, and I think this was one of the reasons for the spike, is that there is a lack of savings and, and or that emergency fund that folks have set away for a rainy day. So COVID became not just a rainy day, it became a typhoon. Yeah. So folks who had to wait for weeks and months for unemployment had no income in between because they had no savings. Mm -hmm. So as I think about some of the um, small businesses um, and, and, and what they're hearing within the four walls of their um, companies, what are they hearing? What are their employees saying? And, you know, one of, we've, we've sort of shifted some of our volunteer programs to really look at some longer term solutions. Um, and we've had a, a Thrive in Financial Coaching uh, program up and running. And you know the idea of perhaps an employer encouraging their employees uh, to do a financial wellness check. You know, um, Perhaps we can partner with certain companies to just sort of do that wellness check, see financially, you know, what, where are they? Maybe they never thought about just having a, a, a one-off conversation to see if they're on the right track or what one or two um, things could they possibly do that might make a difference or might free up some funding to, to start to create that savings. Um, you know, I, I, you know, there's so much we could do. Um, it's a great suggestion because I, I believe so many people are stuck in the rut they're in that they're not looking side to side, whether it's a high-end rut or a low-end rut. And mm -hmm. when um, John Maddox of Somerset County said, disasters end and we clean up after them. This one is going on and on and on and they never dissipate completely. And the, the result is so different that um, it's a first-time challenge for everybody in the community as to what we're going through. 
I mean, I look at some of the storefronts that are closed and some of the restaurants that are closed and some of the gas stations that are closed. And it's every one of those had people that were really struggling in them at one point in time. And even the ones that are still open, um, when I hear somebody at, at a governor level saying we're going to open up a 10% capacity, it was a great first step, but it probably doesn't solve a hell of a lot of problems because when I sat with my grandson, who's in his mid-20s getting married this year, we were at a restaurant that his fiance worked at, and the guy said, opening up the 25% doesn't solve my problem. I can't make it work at 25%. And uh, yeah, okay, it's a great first step. I mean, the people in charge are trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. There are so many people affected here, and you're right in the middle. So, okay, when we go to dinner, instead of leaving a 20%, that sometimes we're leaving a 50% tip. That helps a few, but there's a right. lot that need this help. And so if you look at your, your perfect example, how many of those small independent restaurant owners now, might they now be Alice? Right. Right? It, so, and, and this up. is what I mean about the, the, the economy has created um, a new level of, uh, or a new group of folks that are, um, you know, people bounce in and out of Alice. It's not necessarily a demographic that, you know, you're restricted to. You have good times and you get that third job, you're up here. Then yeah. you lose it or they cut the hours and you're back down here again. And, right. and I think that in some of the service industry, you know, um, uh, the hair care, um, uh, it, you know, barbers, uh, hairdressers, all, they're another group. Uh, you know, I, some women used to go like religion to uh, get right. their hair done. Now, not so much. And that's another service group. Ooh, sorry. That's okay. Uh, sorry, I apologize for that. Mine did the same. It was Al War trying to get through. <laughs> so um, so, um, so I, I think that that's part of what we're looking at in terms of trying to address um, what needs to be uh, looked at down the road. I think that there may be opportunities with new businesses, but how, how do we work with the businesses that we have now? How do we help um, both the employees and in some cases, the employers also, because in the small business community, um, it, it could be both groups. You know, Some have such a small uh, profit margin that um, they could find themselves in the same place. One of the things in, in speaking with Jim Hughes, who we mentioned earlier, he, he mentioned that we put 54% of our people back to work fairly quickly, quickly than we thought we would be. And we figured, oh, it's almost over. And his point is it's not almost over because that over 46% are what we were talking about for the last 30 minutes. And they're going to take several years, if ever, to get back to where they were. And not only were they not making it before this happened, but now they're in really, really arrears of not making it and, and need all the help and consideration that they, they can get. And, and, and I think that for the long-term solutions, because again, United Way doesn't look at just the short-term fix right. that we need. Some people, for some folks, that's all they need. They just need the little boost and up and out and, yep. and they're back on their feet. Um, for others, it's going to take a whole lot more because the disparity um, is, is greater. But that's where, I don't know if I would call it the opportunity or the call to action would probably be a better word. This is where the call to action about coming together 
because again, it, it, it's about the difference between how much I have and how much I need. So if we can't yeah. increase income, quote unquote, how do we reduce expenses? And, and, and that's a function of how do we make certain um, systemic needs or budget needs more affordable? How do we make healthcare affordable for all? How do we make childcare affordable for all? Right. How do we make housing affordable for all? And, and, and those are huge, huge issues. But that's, you know, you know the, the, the debate about increasing minimum wage, if it's still not closing the gap, it's, it's, it's a help, but the problem is still there. You know, so it, we can't just look at the income side of it we also need to look at the expense, expense side. side. How do we make it not just accessible, but affordable? Um, and that's the only that that's truly the way that we're going to um, reduce um, and, and our our Alice numbers and provide that financial stability. And, and and we know people who are financially stable have the wherewithal to really make their communities more vibrant because they have the. Um, capacity to spend a little more, they will spend it in their community. And, um, you know, a vision of economic um, 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 success in our community is, is good. And if we can overlay that with a population of caring community residents to help lift us all. I think one of the things that on a minimum wage viewpoint, <clears throat> we are an affluent society in Huntington County. Our minimum wage is well above 15 hours and many of our people who have help wanted signs out, uh, such as the big box stores. And even if everybody got one of those minimum or above minimum wage jobs, the problem isn't solved. The problem is not just money. The problem is the expenses and they keep going up and you look at healthcare, it's gotta be the biggest issue facing us, uh, but all the others, well, you, you know, and we are, we have been looking at this primarily through an income, um, you know, um, financial lens. Um, but I think that as we look at the pandemic beyond um, the financial impact, you know, there's certainly what has been the um, health impact to our community um, as a result of this. And within that health um, consequences has been certainly the spike in um, the stress and mental health issues. Um, you know, some people will even start out with the COVID fatigue um, is kind of one of the new uh, um, things that we talk about. But what does that COVID fatigue or what does the stress and the mental anxiety about being afraid to leave the house, being afraid, um, you, you know, all of that has an impact. It's affected our numbers in terms of substance misuse. It's increased our number of suicides. Hunterdon has higher suicide rates than the rest of the state. So like it, the health impact of, the, of COVID has also had an impact on families beyond the income. Then if you add, and they don't have enough money coming in, it, it, it's just like that perfect storm. There's no way to solve it in their minds. And that leads mm -hmm. to what we just discussed. Um, funny, this has been very insightful. I, uh, I always learn a lot. And hopefully <laughs> the people who tune in and download and listen to our podcast will learn and join. And I'll put all those links that we discussed. 
we're coming to the end of our time. What point would you like to make that we may not have discussed? So, you know, I, I think it's always like that call to action. If you have not been involved in life in Hunterdon, this is a perfect time and opportunity. Um, and I encourage folks to do that. If you um, are one of those folks that have leadership skills to give, this is the time to step up because we've got bigger problems than we had before. And right. I would encourage people um, to, it's really about get involved, get engaged. Um, I think it's easy to sort of stay focused on what's happening to me and mine, but if we could turn it outwards and look to see how we can all be part of uh, rebuilding our community in so many ways. Bonnie, thank you very much. I'm going to invite you to come back once a year and maybe give us uh, an update, more insight. And uh, I thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me again, Joe. Wow, what an interesting interview. In our discussion, Bonnie mentioned several areas where there's opportunities to get involved as a citizen of Hunterdon County. I'm going to list those links on the overview to this podcast, and hopefully we'll see you there. Thank you for tuning in. One of the biggest decisions in your lifetime is buying or selling a house. Choosing a realtor with strong client communication, technology, and marketing skills will dramatically improve your chance of success. That's why Hunterdon and Somerset's residents rely on Joe Peters. Joe believes his clients deserve a smooth and seamless experience, not a roller coaster ride. As a Coldwell Banker Sales Associate with 20 years of experience, he's helped hundreds of people to achieve their goals and dreams, no matter where they were in the buying or selling process. Here's what his satisfied customers have to say. Joe guided us through the process of selling our home and made a complicated transaction appear seamless. Joe is diligent and responsive without being pushy and truly keeps his client's best interest in mind. He would return calls within minutes if he didn't pick up. Joe accomplishes this by approaching every transaction from a business perspective. Initially, he tries to fully understand your goals and dreams and make them his own. Then he takes the mass amount of data that's available and distills it down to a few understandable action points. And finally, he controls the entire process through technology and marketing. The end result to you is a smooth, rewarding customer experience. Let Joe show you how to take his professional expertise and put it to work for you. To contact Joe, go to jpeters.com. You can call 908-238-0118 or text to 908-304-4660.